0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to our podcast. This is Murder With My Husband. I'm Peyton Moreland.
1: And I'm Garrett Moreland.
0: And he's the husband.
1: And I'm the husband.
0: We just want to say thank you to everyone who came to Pinners this weekend. It was seriously one of the coolest experiences of my life, at least. I loved talking to all of you and also to all of our new listeners from Pinners or elsewhere. We are so excited to have you and can't wait for you guys to listen.
1: And also to everyone new that might be listening I don't know any of the information that Peyton is telling me, everything she is telling me. I'm hearing for the first time. Every single crime she does, I don't know anything about it.
0: He's literally dumb. Just kidding. (laughs) So also, we have to do 10 seconds with Garrett. So what are your 10 seconds today, Garrett?
1: All right, before we jump into it, I guess the 10 seconds would be, I love the beach and I don't like the cold.
0: Because it's snowing right now? Because it's snowing. He's staring out the window at the snow right now. We're
1: recording right now and I'm looking out the window and it's just, snow's coming down like crazy
0: it's kind of getting me in the christmas mood a little bit
1: yeah i can see that no that makes sense
0: so our case sources for today's episode are from youtube poe dot and 48 hours live to tell all of these sources and the exact link will be linked in our episode notes so if you want to check those out go ahead and go there Our story starts on January 8th, 2000, an 18-year-old Danielle Keener was a freshman at Susquehanna University near York, Pennsylvania. She's getting ready for her second date with Dan Zapp, which is a cool name, by the way, I just have to say, who was also a freshman, but he attended Carnegie Mellon University instead. So they're both freshmen, but two different universities. They planned at Danielle's mother's suggestion to just kind of take a walk for this second date, maybe like in the area around Danielle's home and maybe go down to the marina. But they were just going to kind of chill this date and get to know each other a little bit. Okay. Nervous but excited, Danielle and Dan make their way down the road, their date going good so far. They are by the water and are picking up stones as they walk and talk and they're kind of skipping them into the water, which I don't know how to do, by the way. As they keep walking, Danielle and Dan notice a red pickup truck driving slowly down the road. The driver pulls up next to the couple and gets out. It's a middle-aged man who pulls out his Rottweiler dog to play in the water. The man makes casual conversation with Danielle and Dan and asks if the young couple needed a ride anywhere. um, Explaining that they were just on a date and strolling the area, the driver lets his dog finish playing in the water before getting back in his truck and waving goodbye. He pulls his truck behind the couple and drives away. Danielle and Dan keep on walking, enjoying their time together, when once again they hear a car approaching, but this time it's from behind them. They turn around and realize that it's the man in the red pickup truck again. He must have turned his car around behind them and headed back down this way. He drives up next to Danielle and Dan, but this time he pulls his truck in front of the couple, blocking their path, and cuts the engine.
1: I feel like if that was us, And I noticed that car behind us. The first thing I would be, I would think in my head is, holy crap, someone's following us. We need to get out of here.
0: Literally, I'm training you well, because same, I'd be freaking out. Yeah. I mean, I would have been uncomfortable if we were the only two people on this road walking and there was like a even any car driving slowly, like I would have been uncomfortable. And
1: maybe we're just turning into a paranoid couple because of all these stories, but...
0: (laughs) Or you're turning into a paranoid couple because I've already been there. We would
1: just be running in... the Middle of the street away from this truck. Yeah,
0: like fast walking, just like, don't look back, don't look back. So the driver of the truck opens his door, climbs out, and begins walking towards Danielle and Dan. Confused but not alarmed, they wait to see what he could possibly want again. It's not until they see the gun pointing straight at them as the man walks towards them that they begin to panic. The man yells to them to get into the effing truck and both Danielle and Dan know that something is seriously wrong. Dan begins to offer his wallet, keys, laptop, anything, but the man doesn't want any of it. He tells them once again to get into the truck. Danielle and Dan stumble into the truck at gunpoint. Danielle in the front and Dan shoved into the back with the dog, the Rottweiler.
1: I'm kind of curious what our listeners would do. Would you get into the truck or would you start running?
0: Well, if there was a gun with fear, I would probably get in the truck. I would hope I wouldn't, but I would probably just because I'd be scared for my life.
1: Do you know how far away he was when Mm -mm. he told them that? No,
0: but I know he cut them off with his truck. So I'm guessing pretty close. They begin driving as the man is talking nonsense, just rambling and raging about nothing. Danielle notices that they eventually turn left onto an empty dirt road. The man drives all three of them down the road a little bit when he abruptly stops and tells them to get out. Danielle and Dan get out and wait next to the truck as once again, this man who seemed so normal the first time they just met him is now pacing manically in front of them. He's waving the gun around, firing rounds in between sentences into the river that is running alongside the dirt road. Wow. He'll say something like, I don't know what he's raging about. Like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do with you guys. And then shoot the gun into the river and then just keep doing it. And I think he was doing it as like a scare tactic to scare them. But he's also like a little manic right now. Like nothing he's saying is making sense.
1: That's so crazy. You think people would hear that,
0: right? He keeps talking to them about how they both have seen his face now. And so he doesn't know what he's going to do with them. Danielle is huddling next to Dan. Although they barely know each other. This is only their second date. They were all they had at this point. Every shot into the river scared the young vulnerable couple even more. Danielle tells the man that she will do anything, but please, please don't kill them. The man looks at her and says anything. He then ushers both Danielle and Dan back into the truck. Danielle again in the front and Dan in the bed with the dog again. Now keep in mind, the bed has like a camper shell on it, which is basically just a cover for the bed of a truck. And, So it's not like Dan could just jump out and make a run for it anytime sitting in the bed of the truck. Does that make sense?
1: Do you know if it's a two-door or a four-door truck?
0: Ooh, I think it was a two-door. Okay. Can you just imagine, like, though, going back to the same spot? Like, they all got out. Maybe there was some hope or at least change coming, but then all of a sudden he just puts them right back in to where they were just sitting and driving around for Mm -hmm. who knows how long. The man looks over at Danielle once she's him and her in the front seat and says, so you said you'll do anything. And it hits Danielle what's about to happen next. And this breaks my heart because even growing up as a young girl, I knew if I ever got kidnapped or abducted, what that meant for me. Mm -hmm. It meant that I was most likely going to be sexually assaulted because why else would they want me? And this is most likely the same thought that ran through Danielle's head in this moment. Danielle doesn't fight it because she doesn't want to die and he has a gun. And so the man in the red truck rapes her in the front seat with Dan in the back of the bed, hearing everything.
1: Oh, that's horrible.
0: Afterwards, the man makes the couple get back out again. So he like finishes and then he's like, okay, both of you guys get back out of the truck again. So they're just like, what the heck? He then forces them at gunpoint to walk down towards the river. Dan grabs a hold of Danielle and embracing, they walk down to their fate together. And this makes me sad because... You know, normally on a second date, you wouldn't be like holding hands, embracing each other. Like you're still trying to get to know each other, even see Mm -hmm. if you like this person. But they're just clinging to each other because it's all they have at this point. You know, Danielle begins praying that the man had gotten all he wanted out of this and would let them both just leave. In the middle of the prayer, the gun goes off. And Dan, who had a hold of Danielle, falls to the ground. He had been shot in the back of the head.
1: I don't understand. I just don't understand the logic behind all they're doing is taking a walk exactly. by the river. Yeah. And some guy just comes up with a gun and just wants to kill people. Like, I, I just don't understand it.
0: Yeah. I just don't really understand the reasoning for doing it. Like, did he really want to murder someone or was he just actually wanting to rape someone? And by the end of the night, these were the only two available. And so he did pick a woman that had a man with him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, what's the motive here? Because it's not very clear. How
1: old was he again? He's 40. Okay, and then the...
0: The two young ones, they're yeah. like 19, 20. They're freshmen okay, 19, in college. 19, 20, 40. Okay. Yeah. So Dan has been shot in the back of the head. Danielle looks down and sees the blood coming out of Dan's mouth and knows that if he just got shot, she was definitely next. Instead of making a run for it, Danielle just kneels down next to Dan, tells him she loves him, and holds him. The man then shoots Danielle in the face and the shoulder
1: oh my gosh that's yeah horrible
0: the man from the red truck then rolls both danielle and dan's bodies into the river waits there a while until the bodies are taken away by the river and then gets back into his truck and leaves the road a short while later a hunter named pete prowl and some of his friends are sitting in his truck near the same river I'm guessing that they were hunting because that's why they would call him a hunter. So my next like.
1: question is, how far away is this river or where they're at from the city? Like, are so, they like way out yeah, there? Yeah, I
0: don't know, because I think it's the same river that like they were originally walking by, but he just drove them like farther away from civilization. Mm-hmm. Because also it said that the dirt, they're on a dirt road, so it's not even paved. Got it. The hunter, Pete, notices two objects floating down the river and gets out to check what it could be. As the objects get closer, he notices that they are the bodies of Danielle Keener and Dan Zapp. When they get close enough to be pulled out, he reaches in and grabs both of them, noticing that both had obviously been shot in the face based on the wounds. It's dark, but as he scans the bodies for any more trauma, something feels off. He looks back up to the wounded, disfigured faces and realizes that there is movement. Danielle and Dan although not speaking or reacting are both alive.
1: They're both alive.
0: Barely alive.
1: So he got shot in the back of the head
0: and it went through to his face. Yes. And
1: she got shot in, in the, the face front.
0: and the shoulder. She got shot twice. I
1: can't believe they're alive.
0: Pete, the hunter immediately starts calling for help. He notices a car driving down the road and runs up to tell them they need to go into town and get help. There was no cell service where they were. The driver turns around and, once in range, calls 911. Pete notices that Dan's wounds are bleeding worse than Danielle's. The blood was just pouring out of his mouth. So he's like, we need help fast. Like, I don't, they're non-responsive. I don't even know how they're even breathing at this point. Danielle's parents' phone rings, and what they hear on the other end of the line is unbelievable. Their daughter had been shot in the face and was being rushed to the hospital. So they rush out of the house and head to York Hospital as well. Danielle's lower jaw had been shattered by the bullet to her face. Her teeth were missing and her head was swollen to the size of a bowling ball and her tongue was just shattered in pieces. Holy
1: crap. That's insane.
0: Dan's bullet had entered into his head, went through his windpipe and out the other side. It was insane because that bullet actually only chipped his vertebrae and luckily it didn't hit it because if it had, he instantly would have been paralyzed or passed away and it only chipped it. It didn't shatter it.
1: I was going to say, I didn't think it was even remotely possible to be shot in the face or the head or the back of the head yes. and still be alive.
0: Seriously. I
1: thought it was more of an instant, especially two people. Yes.
0: Like they both get shot in the head and they're both alive.
1: The, yeah. You would, the chances the of chances that seems so is low. insane.
0: So both Danielle and Dan were non-responsive, obviously, Police begin the search that morning the only place they can, up and down the riverbank where the hunter had found the two kids. Within minutes, they come across a pool of blood and three shell casings. At this point, police head back to the hospital in hopes that either Danielle or Dan could explain what happened now. Once they get there, they learn that Danielle was now in a coma and Dan's wounds were so extensive that most doctors didn't even think he was going to make it very much longer. Police asked to go in and see him eager. Like if we're going to solve this case, this is our only witness. So if we don't think he has a lot of time left, like, can we please try to talk to him? They decide to bring a notepad in because he's on a respirator. So he can't talk. Dan was also eager to communicate and as much as he could at least. And he described the man as being, so he's writing this on a notepad, a white male, 35 to 45, very drunk, blonde hair, brown hat, blue jeans, and nike high tops the gun was a pistol and the dog was a black rottweiler named sam keep in mind he just got shot in wow. the head and he wrote all of this for them like because he also didn't know if he had very much longer uh-huh. so he's like at least catch him you know
1: but he had the i guess whereabouts to yes, ride all this like i can't insane. believe he was coherent enough to do all that
0: how was he even just alive I feel like if that was me i'd be like poor me like I'm the victim Mm -hmm. and I'm in pain and I don't you know and he just was like please go find this guy it's just amazing the truck was a beat-up red pickup truck with a white or gray shell cap that's what he said he also said there was a toolbox and a baseball bat in the truck with this much information probably the biggest being the dog's name that he actually knew the dog's name was Sam I was
1: gonna say I'm surprised he even remembered all this because after what he just went through you would think there's some sort of trauma trauma
0: that would block it out immediately. Uh huh. Yeah. It's insane. It didn't take long though, for police to come across a 40 year old man named William Babner. He had a history of run-ins with the police. And so they immediately decide to do a photo lineup with Dan and see if he can pick him out. So they have, how they do this is Dan is in the hospital. Can't talk, has respirator, like barely alive. And they just print out pictures of a ton of people And then they set him down in front of him and see if he can pick out which guy. As soon as Babner's picture was laid down in front of Dan, he reacted as much as he could. He lifted his finger and just started tapping the picture as much as he could. Like,
1: it makes me so sad. Yeah.
0: So he instantly knew like they didn't even have to finish the lineup. Mm -hmm. Eventually, though, around this time, Danielle is taken out of her coma, but begins to struggle now that she's aware. She obviously still can't talk like her tongue was shattered in half by the bullet and most of her teeth are missing, but she has fits of anxiety and writes on a notepad that she can't sleep because of the nightmare she's having. And I will post pictures of the messages that she was writing on the paper because it was kind of eerie to read like the things that she was thinking that she couldn't say, but she was struggling really bad. Not only was she physically trying to recover, but mentally she had demons that she was trying to heal from as well now. Police are searching for Babner, but he's missing. He isn't at any known friend's houses or his place of residence. They eventually find Babner's truck parked in an apartment building parking lot. And so they bring in SWAT to stand guard and figure out how to handle Like They don't know what apartment he's in. They just know that mm-hmm. the truck that they think is his is in the parking lot. So they just like sit and wait. They camp out and wait to see who's walking in and out and what they can discover. They find out that Babner is in an apartment with his girlfriend and her child. They wait till morning and as soon as the child gets out of the house and gets on the school bus, they enter in and arrest Babner because I think they were worried with a child being in there. They had to wait because they didn't want him to hurt the child.
1: Was it his kid?
0: No, the girlfriend's kid and it's not his.
1: So it's not his kid.
0: They find all of the evidence that Dan had described, the outfit, Sam the dog was at the apartment, the red truck with the white shed cap, even the pistol that he had described was in the apartment. Dan's recollection was unreal. He literally had everything right, which is so rare for an eyewitness, especially a victim eyewitness. I would
1: assume, I could be totally wrong, but I mean, I would assume he's a very bright or smart kid yes. to remember all of yeah,
0: that. I would assume because even down to like, oh yeah, the Nikes were high tops. How did you, how did you even like notice that? It's insane. According to Live to Tell on CBS, investigators now had the what, the when, the where, and the who, but not the why.
1: It's always the why. Like I, I would never ever understand the why. Yeah. I think this is a big part of why we do this, but I just. It's. I don't
0: like it. Just seems so pointless.
1: Yeah, it really does. And I, I assume everyone else listening, it's the same yeah. as well, why? Why? Like why? Why do this? Yeah.
0: Everyone was happy, obviously, that this monster had been caught, but Danielle and Dan's conditions were still unstable and unknown. Could they even testify if they make it to trial? Would they be able to? Dan and Danielle wrote notes back and forth to each other in the hospital it was hard because nobody but them knew what they had been through. And I like, I don't, I have this soft spot for their relationship because it was the only, it was only the second date Mm -hmm. and they're sitting here like writing notes on these notepads back and forth because they're all they have because they just went through this super traumatic thing together.
1: Yeah. Wait, so was it the first or was it the second date? Second date. Got it. Okay. I just wanted to make sure.
0: Six months after the incident, Babner refused to plead guilty. He wanted his day in court, which sucks for the victims that Mm. had to relive it. And I mean, I think everyone deserves a trial if they want one and everything, but it's like when you have to put victims like through that trauma and that PTSD, it's especially when you are like obviously guilty. What a selfish thing to do. Both Danielle and Dan did not want to be in the same room with Babner, but what could they do? They bravely decide to testify in front of their attacker and relive the trauma, the kidnapping, the rape, the attempted murder, all of it.
1: How healed are they at this point? Like how it's only how been much six he- months. How much healing have they done? Like are they Physically? Yes.
0: I was watching footage of them from recent years and they still have scars and everything on their face. So okay. I can't imagine they like look
1: completely, completely healed. Mm-hmm.
0: When Dan and Danielle were shot. So this all comes out at trial when Dan and Danielle were shot. They both blacked out. It was when their bodies hit the icy water that he rolled them into that they both came to when Danielle woke up, she realized that she was in the water, but not dead. She reached out for Dan in the water and found him. Keep in mind, she can't talk. They're not like they're just kind of like what the heck is going on, but they were rolled together. So when she wakes up, she finds him. He too was awake. But they could both see Babner standing near the edge of the water with the gun watching them. So Dan, like when they grabbed each other, Dan whispered to Danielle, do not move, pretend to float.
1: Oh, so he could talk still.
0: He literally said it to her. He whispered it. So they waited until they grabbed a hold of each other, floated, waited until they got far enough away and couldn't see Babner anymore before then, like getting situated, understanding what just happened. They then bear hug each other and just continue to float, hoping to find shore.
1: This is so crazy. I just, I can't imagine being in that situation. But
0: how brilliant of him to say, play dead. Like, don't scream, don't move. I know you're in a lot of pain. Like I am too. Don't freak out. I just, I can't even like that. No, I agree. And she was saying that she didn't have any energy. She couldn't swim. Like she felt like she was about to pass out again. Uh And so he was holding on to her. To make sure that she could like make it to shore if he makes it to shore. Because she was like gone. Unreal. Danielle says that during this whole time, the only thing she can really remember is spitting her teeth out of her mouth with the blood. Like she remembers having things in her mouth, like feeling like it was rocks Mm -hmm. and stuff. But then spitting it out and realizing that her teeth had been shattered by the bullet. And she was literally like emptying them out of her mouth in the water. Although the waters were dangerous and cold, it slowed the flow of their blood from their wounds, which kept them alive long enough to get discovered. So when you asked, oh my gosh, how did they not bleed out or anything? The water was that cold that it literally closed up the wounds a little bit. If they hadn't have been in the water, they most likely would have died.
1: So almost preserved their bodies.
0: Uh-huh. Enough that when they got rescued and rushed, it gave them enough time to stay alive. Okay. And everyone was like, how did they not die out there? The water was freezing cold, but it it literally helped them. Like it saved their lives. Everyone says if they wouldn't have been in there, they most likely wouldn't be alive. Did
1: they not go into hyperthermia or anything? Mm-mm. Wow.
0: According to poconorecord.com, Tire prints found along the river were matched up to Babner's truck when he was arrested in York. Also, hairs from Babner's dog were matched up with hairs found on Danielle's coat, which helped the prosecution's case. So not only were there like two witnesses who obviously said this is the guy who shot us, they also had hard physical evidence to prove it as well. So this going to trial was just so unnecessary. The verdict is announced and William Babner is convicted of two counts of attempted murder and much more. He was sentenced to over 100 years in prison in August of 2000. Danielle and Dan struggled with a relationship after the incident. They brought out the past in each other. So for a couple of years, they couldn't even talk to each other because yeah. it just it resurfaced all this trauma for them. I could imagine. The transition back into college was also hard for both, as you can imagine. Danielle says that Babner may have taken a few things from her, but there was a lot about her that made her who she is that he didn't get to take.
1: Good for her. And
0: that's how she focused on healing. Danielle met someone in junior year of college, and they were married just a couple years later. Dan got married in 2007 to the girl of his dreams. Both the police chief and the hunter who pulled them out of the water were guests at the wedding. Danielle also has a little girl. After a couple years, Dan and Danielle were able to reconnect in a healthy way for both of them. And now they feel as if their souls are connected and they will be in each other's lives forever. And that's the story of Danielle Keener and Daniel Zap.
1: Um we were talking to a couple people at a Pinterest conference about this on I don't get why they don't just confess. Like exactly. why do they hold the it? and it's I think we've talked about it in another episode. It just has to be an ego. thing.
0: Yeah, it's narcissism. Like, they're just like, because this case is especially he he had no chance, no chance going to trial. He should have took a plea deal. There was no way he was convincing a jury Mm -hmm. that he didn't do this, especially when they were testifying and everything. And also, I heard that at trial, he didn't even really try. Like, he didn't testify. They never, like, brought any witnesses to the stand. It was more just like, I can't admit that I did it.
1: Oh, that makes me, it makes me so mad. Yes, it really does. It's make disgusting,
0: me mad. but, it, and it is something we just see so often yes. in these cases. And
1: my other question was, I, I feel bad for, for example, like his girlfriend, right? Cause then she gets involved in the case. She gets brought in oh, yeah. she didn't, she didn't, it, she didn't kill anybody.
0: Exactly. It just affects everybody.
1: It's a big domino effect
0: to uh-huh. a ton of people. And the girlfriend, she came out of the house first before he did, cause obviously he knew that these kids had been found. And so he was in trouble and they grabbed her and were like, what are you doing? And she totally was like, Oh yeah, he's in there. Like he, she totally folded on him. Yeah. And so then they were like, okay, well when your kid comes out, whatever. But yeah, it was, crazy intense i will be posting all of the key images that have to do with this case on our social media so if you're new here that's kind of what we do we tell the case and then we go have a thread going in the comments on instagram facebook or twitter just about what you thought about the case any questions you had um if i missed anything and you're familiar with this case and also all the key images so if you want to check that out or murder with my husband on all of the platforms
1: Also, if you get a chance and you like the podcast, please go and leave us a review. It really does help. We really appreciate all the support so much.
0: Just a reminder that if you subscribe and download, that helps us a lot. It's not something like you have to do. But if you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe and download. Also, you can turn on your notifications so you get notified exactly when we upload an episode each week.
1: And we will be back next week. I love it. And I hate it.
0: Goodbye.